change around my team, yeah, we off the leash. You could look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we drop, we can score it when we wanna. Welcome to Podscreewee. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Mike, since we've had two weeks off now, we have a lot of stuff to get into. So instead of doing our normal fun little ranty BS at the top of the show, we're just going to jump right into the news. And we will start with the Ticats making a trade, which happened earlier today on Tuesday when we were recording, that sent veteran defensive back and fan favorite Alden Darby back to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in exchange for rookie American defensive lineman Cedric Wilcots II. The Ticats, as I think everyone listening will remember, signed Darby away from Winnipeg in free agency back in February, and he was kind of in and out of the lineup for the Cats this year. He played in 10 games for Hamilton in 2022, picked up 23 tackles, both uh, defensive and special teams, one sack and one interception. Wilcots has played 10 games for the Bombers this year, his first year in the CFL, and has two tackles on the season. He doesn't get a ton of playing time, obviously, as a defensive lineman on that Bombers that very uh, very good, I guess, for lack of a better term, Bombers front four. Both teams, uh, from what I've seen reported, you know, dealt from positions of strength. Hamilton has a plethora of American defensive backs. The Bombers have a plethora of American defensive linemen. So the two teams made a swap. What do you think of this deal, Mike? Like, what does this – Darby was a big offseason splash, big offseason acquisition, and he didn't even last a season with the team. This uh, – kind of tells you how the Ticats failed during the offseason does it not yeah I I think it does Josh you know we I think we talked about it as we're going into the season that defensive the defensive backfield wasn't a weakness of this team and they just they brought in a lot of guys in the secondary and I I questioned it at the start of the season and you know to bring in a guy like Darby who's an all-star and not be able to get him on the field is, um, you know, it just shows that it was a bad move in the offseason. They they could have signed someone else at, at a different position. You know, we talked about the offensive line when we when the season first started. That could have been fixed. It's, in my opinion, it's fixed now. But, um, you know, we were like 14, 15 weeks into the season before they they brought in guys to, to help out uh, Dane in the backfield there. But, you know, to me, it's just... Like you said, it's it shows that they made miscues in signing guys in the offseason, and now they're paying for it. And it's not on Darby. I don't want this. No, I, no. I think he's a I think he's a really good player. His inability to get on the field, I think, is a failure of the organization. It's a failure of this coaching staff. It's a failure of the front office to sign him in the first place. He they lured him away from Ottawa to get him to sign with like he was going to sign with the Red Blacks. And there, there was a last-minute, like, last-ditch effort by Hamilton to get him to come here. And he, they got him. And then you're thinking they, they used him a ton in the offseason. 
I met him at a Forge game, him and Simone Lawrence. I met both of them at a Forge game this year. He was excited to be a member of the Ticats. He looked forward to being in the community. He did a lot of stuff in the community. Even when he was in and out of the lineup, he was still making a bunch of community appearances. This was trumpeted up as a, as a major signing and made you think, oh, this is going to be a guy that the team kind of not, you know, you don't build a defense really around anyone, but you're thinking when you think of each level defense, like, oh, you got Dylan Wynn at up front, you got Simone in there. And it felt as if Darby was going to be their stalwart now in the defensive backfield. And then from the moment training camp began, I was there on day one, he's running with the twos. And then he only really got his opportunity when Cariel Brooks got hurt. And then it's, it was, we did talk about this because you and I, I remember we had a show about it where we talked who's the odd man out in the secondary because they had essentially seven guys for six positions. And there was no way any of us thought Darby was going to be the guy that was gone. I We didn't think it at the time. I Even as he was falling in and out of the lineup, I was thinking they'll, they'll find a spot for him at some point. He's great on special teams. He's good in the – you know what I mean? Like he provides value for a team. But this – if you look at the moves this team made in the offseason, and again, I must stress, this is to me, I don't blame the player. Darby not working out in Hamilton is not on him. He's probably going to go to Winnipeg, maybe wins another cup, and he's he's going to be a, a contributing factor there, just like he was a year ago. Did this team make a single move this offseason that really helped the team in any measurable way? Like when you think about what they did, mm-hmm. they bring in Lamar Durant, complete bust. I, I, I said earlier this year that he he was a bust. I got ripped on social for it. He's got eight catches for 85 yards and a touchdown in seven games. I don't care that he's been hurt. That's not good enough. Like, I, maybe it's part of the offense. He's not really featured, but he's done nothing. Alex Fontana, they bring a guy in who hadn't played in three years because he opted out of the COVID season. He was supposed to be the replacement center. The most memorable play he made this year, Mike, was causing Dane Evans to fumble in the game against right. Edmonton. Or maybe it was against Ottawa. It was anyway. It was one of the games he forced a fumble on his own that was returned for a touchdown or set up a touchdown. I can't remember what it was. I'll have to look up to make sure. But you know what I mean. Like that was the that was his highlight of the year. Micah Johnson's been okay. Richard Leonard's been okay. Do any of these moves? Like there's a reason his team's four and ten. They thought that they needed to make some tweaks to get better, and they made those tweaks. But they added at positions that they were already kind of strong at. You mentioned the second, did they even Darby or Leonard, would the secondary be any worse off if they didn't have either of those guys? I don't think it would be Micah Johnson. You bring in, but you already have Dylan win. And then you re-sign Ted Laurent with the defensive right. line, miss Micah Johnson. I don't think they would. The receiving core clearly wouldn't miss uh, Lamar Durant because he's only played half the season and he hasn't even been that good when he's been in the lineup. And Alex Fontana has been replaced by David Beard. So I'm, I'm going to assume Fontana is not going to be here next year. So out of all the major free agent signings this team has made, unless I'm forgetting one, none of them really worked out. And that's why this team is where they are right now. Yep. And and they let go some guys that they shouldn't have let go. Like Malden in Ottawa. I think he's leading the league in sacks. If yeah, he's got like correct. 13, 14 sacks. Like that, that's the big, especially because you have, a, you, you lose to Gary Davis, right? And then mm-hmm. you have, the reason that you bring in these young guys is to, Develop them to be starters down the line. And the, you're going to lose to Garrett Davis instead of maybe going after Darby or Richard Leonard or guys like that. You you give a little extra to Malden. You keep now, maybe he wouldn't have produced here as he has in Ottawa. We don't know that, but I mean, the guy's going to probably lead the league in sacks this year, probably be Ottawa's defensive player of the year. 
and he couldn't get on the field when he's in Hamilton and let him walk away. Him and him and Jalen Acklin are the two moves, in my opinion, that are the the, the the biggest losses for this team. I don't know. Like Acklin's kind of been an afterthought in Ottawa, even though he's got over a thousand yards. But it seems like if you watch any Red Blacks games, there's large stretches of games where he's completely forgotten. But if they imagine if they had Acklin, who has clearly shown he could be a number one guy on this receiving core, and they had Malden as one of maybe this team. I mean, they're probably not ten and four, but Maybe they're seven and seven, and we're t- still talking about a home playoff game. Yeah, I mean, there are obviously a lot of mistakes in the offseason. I even questioned some of the re-signings. Like, I questioned whether Van Zyl would be able to stay healthy, and he has not. He's been out for most I agree. of the season. Like, I don't know. I just I don't understand how a doofus like me can look at this team and be like, oh, there's the problems, there's the problems. But guys that get paid to run a football team don't see it. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Do you play fantasy football at all? Uh, not not really. Not since our days in uh, the uh, whatever website that was. Oh, called. back in the day, yeah. So so I play yeah. NFL fantasy, and I've been playing the same league now for 16, 17 years. We're a keeper league, so we keep guys. And sometimes mm-hmm. you you hold on to quote unquote your guys. Like I held on. I had Adrian. I drafted Adrian Peterson as a rookie and kept him probably a year or two after his prime. You know what I mean? Like. But, oh, it's Adrian Peterson. He could still, like, I remember he left Minnesota right. and signed with with the Saints. And it's like, oh, I know he's the third back there, but it's Adrian Peterson, man. He can still do it. And, he, you know, you, you keep, in lieu of keeping someone younger who might be, you might be able to have for the next five or six years. You know what I mean? I wonder if sometimes guys get, like, Chris Van Zyl's an all-time great player. Mm-hmm. But he does, he's, he can't stay healthy. Like, at this point. Now, you, if you if you let him go and he goes somewhere else and he and he he plays well, you look foolish. But at the same time, you you, I mean, you can't hold on to guys forever. We we lauded them for letting Speedy go, saying, yeah. okay, it if you're ready to move on, rather a year too early than a year too late. He's been okay in Toronto. I'd say mostly invisible, to be honest with you. But he's had his moments. I mean, Labor Day, he. He had a couple of nice catches in and and got his revenge on on the Ticats in that game. There's some veterans on this team that maybe need to, like, should Van Zyl be back next year? I know a lot of people are going to bring up Simone Lawrence. Simone, this is the first year he's ever really been hurt, so I'm willing to give a mulligan for that. But Van Zyl's been hurt every year he's been in Hamilton. Is that a guy, do you you bring him back or or do you simply go, you know what, thank you for your, thank you for your years here. If you go somewhere else, so be it. Like, I mean, if he if he's not in Hamilton, he's going back to Toronto. If Toronto's the one he probably retires. I don't see him going out to Saskatchewan or BC. You know what I mean? For a year, he, he's he's going to play for one of these two teams, I think, because of where he's from, how old he is. He's not going to want to make that big move. You let him go. There's Kyle Saxlid. Let slide him in at right. Like that's the reason you got him, right? Like they traded for Saxlid because either he was going to be a starter on this team or he was the he was the ascension plan after Van Zyl. Do you bring Van Zyl back at 200K, 180 or whatever it is he's making next year? I don't think you do. I think you I think you cut him and you, and you go younger. At some point you have to. And for as good as he's been, like you said, dude can't stay on the field. And it, as good as he, as he has been, if you're not playing, it doesn't matter as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think we got the guys that can play at left tackle and right tackle. I don't think we need Van Zyl anymore. And like like you said, he's been like an all-star player throughout his basically his whole career. He's going he's to the Hall of Fame. He's going to the Hall of Fame, all that good stuff. But 
you know, he's, he's close to 40 now. He, he's been injured, mostly injured for the past two seasons, or at least this season. So I, if it was my decision, I'd move on. Now, I want to say one thing about, you know, me looking at this team and, you know, knowing more about them than, which is bullshit, but you know what I mean? But I was, I was tricked by the receivers on this team as well. Yep. Like I thought letting Speedy go was fine. Jalen Acklin, let him go. He's fine. I thought these guys, I thought they had the guys to step up and, and do the job, but it just didn't turn out that way. So I was fooled by the receivers as well. No, and I don't want to hear anyone, because you're going to get it, about Tim White. Look at Tim White's numbers. Tim White's lead, I think he leads the league in receptions, if I'm not mistaken. I'm going to look up his stats just right quick. But I think he he leads the league in, I think he's top five in receiving yards, and I think he leads the league in receptions. Or he's somewhere close to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me just click. Good numbers. Here. Yeah, he's got five, but he... So he's sixth in the league in receiving yards. He's going to have a 1,000-yard season this year, which, I mean, that's fine. And, yeah, he leads the league in receptions with 78. But there was, like, a good six games there where he did jack shit. Like, he mm-hmm. he did absolutely Same with nothing. Dunbar. Dunbar disappeared yep. for games as well. He had, what, five touchdowns in the first four weeks and then nothing else? Like, I think his first touchdown, was it against Montreal or was it? The week before where he had, I can't remember. So, yeah, here's, so, I, so look, for a stretch there, he, I'm talking about Tim White here. Week 7 against BC, 44 yards. Week 8 against Montreal, 15. Then against Toronto, 6. And then, I mean, he's had 300-yard game, 400-yard games. Like, he, he's picked it up as the season has progressed, but there was a stretch there. Like, the first game of the year, he had, he had two catches for seven yards. Like, that's simply not going to get it done. You know what I mean? Like, I'm with, I like, and I think we, we've kind of stressed this as the, pardon me, as this season has gone on that not only did we like over estimate how like these receivers taking the leap, but I think we underestimated what losing like a, a Jalen Acklin and even a Brandon Banks meant to this team. You know what I mean? Like having a guy who, even if he's not at the top of his game, still commands respect because of what he's done in the league, takes a lot of pressure off. We saw Braylon Addison look good, but just before he got hurt, and I'm sure that hurt the team. But yeah, even with Addison in there, Addison, Addison now, having seen him without Banks and another guy who, who can't stay healthy, unfortunately, although he's had two very different injuries with Vinzel, keeps seems, seems to be leg injuries over and over again, knee, ankle, you know what I mean? That seems like a recurring thing where with like, I mean, he Addison ruptured his Achilles like that. That's just shit luck as far as I'm concerned, but like this team needs a number one wide receiver. And I, they, they didn't go get one in the off season. They have to go get one this off season. If they roll back into the season with these same guys, I'm not sure the offense is going to have the horses to get it done next year. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, Braylon Addison, we, we love Braylon Addison here, but he just, when he was the number one guy, he wasn't really producing in this offense. Uh, near, like, bef- the, I think the game that he got injured, he actually, like, was really doing yep. well. And I know that Dane Evans is a really big fan of his, and they're really comfortable together. So I wouldn't mind seeing him back in, like, a, Oh, I think he's know, got a role in this team for sure. He can yeah, be the number yeah. two wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I just don't think he can be the number one. No, if you, if he's you, like you said, if you pair him with a guy like Speedy, um, then you know he takes a lot of pressure off him. He can get open, and yeah, he can be. I think he'd be a great number two option. But but you're right. You know, if we got a number one receiver in here, and we got Tim White and Dunbar, two young guys that aren't ready to be number one receivers, 
but it would be very good complementary receivers, third and fourth receivers. So if we can get that that number one guy, I think the the receiving core will be okay. Yeah, I I think so too. I I I just think this team is is heading into a very important off season. We've seen. Mm-hmm. I think we talked about it with the Riders two weeks ago. We put I think we put too much emphasis on playing the Grey Cup at home, but there's a lot of guys on this team that this will be. They had the chance last year, but this will be their last chance essentially to potentially win a championship with the Tiger Cats in Hamilton. I think the team's going to have to go all in to make sure that next year, because if if they're if this if next year plays out the same way as this year has, I, that Grey Cup is not. I don't think it's going to be very well received. It's going to come after the cup had already been here, and I know it was a truncated, small sort of Grey Cup festival, but. This is the reason why you don't do these things so frequently in the same spots is because it loses its luster. If the Ticats stink, I could see there being a lot of people that just kind of tune out of the of, yep. of this team in this league at, at, by the late point of the season. Yeah, if the if the Tiger Cats aren't in the hunt, if they aren't in the playoffs, I could see a lot of tickets going up for sale. Um, you know, the beginning of the playoffs. So you know, we'll see what happens. But I, the Hamilton Tiger Cats definitely have to put a competitive team on the field next year. You know, they don't necessarily have to win it all. We'd love that, but they have to be in the hunt. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's move on to some CFL news. And the biggest news over the past couple of weeks was the Red Blacks finally parting ways with head coach Paul LaPolice, who was fired by the team this past Saturday, one day after his team, the Red Blacks, suffered a 34-19 to loss to the BC Lions. Mike, under LaPolice, the Red Blacks were 3-11 and this year and 6-22 and overall, which includes a 1-13 and record at home during his tenure as head coach. Special teams coordinator Bob Dice has been named the team's interim head coach for the remainder of the season, but obviously Ottawa is going to be in line to, to hire a new head coach uh, in the offseason, looking to fix things up there. Uh, for LaPolice, that was his second chance at being a head coach. After two and a half years in Winnipeg with the Bombers from 2010 to 2012, which ended with his firing midway through the 2012 season. Many thought that LaPolice was kind of the scapegoat for a Bombers team that fell from a Grey Cup appearance in 2011 to two and six by the time of his firing in 2012. His overall head coaching record, Mike, for a guy that everyone thought would, would work out in Winnipeg and was a great hire in, in Ottawa, 22 and 50 with one playoff appearances. So I have a couple questions for you, buddy. This was, this was a, this was a fair fire. I think we can agree on that. So we're not going to discuss whether he should or should not have been fired, but do you think this is the last time we will see Paul Apolis as a head coach in the CFL? And then the second question is, mm. which we'll get into, it'll be fun. Who do you think might be at the top of the list to fill the vacancy in the off season? Well, I do think that this is the last go around for Lapolis as a head coach. You know, some guys only get one chance and then that's it. This guy's had two chances. And maybe the Winnipeg firing was unfair. I, I can't remember back that far, but the Ottawa firing was definitely fair. I mean, that record is just horrible. And especially to be losing at home like that for, for two years, like you got to perform for your home crowd. And I live in a city right now that they haven't won a, a home game in three years, but, you know, minus the, the off season, uh, the one season where we didn't play, but you know, it's, it's, and kudos to the fans in Ottawa who have been showing up still. I know that they're not, you know, selling out anymore, but they've had some decent crowds and they haven't, you know, they've only won one game in two years or something like that. So kudos to them. But 
Paul Apolise just doesn't seem to be a very good head coach. He seems to be a, a darn good offensive coordinator. Um, and maybe he was is overrated he? in that. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Maybe he's overrated in that as well because Winnipeg's offense when they won the Grey Cup wasn't exactly lighting the world on fire. I mean, they had Strevler come in and run the ball and, and Claros did his thing, but it was the defense mostly that won them championships. So maybe he was a bit overrated as an offensive coordinator as well. I think the only fair thing is he didn't get the chance to work with Caleros full-time. Like, he only got him at the tail end there. He had to deal with Matt Nichols, who was limited. Like, he had – and then, but then he brought him to Ottawa, wanted him as his quarterback in Ottawa, yeah. and we saw how that, that worked. I'm I'm starting to wonder if Winnipeg Grey Cup title last year and their continued dominance this year with Buck Pierce as a coordinator says more about how Lapalise was maybe just along for the ride. For those, for those, for those good, like I mean, that one year essentially where the Bombers, yeah, he was there as office coordinator. I, I, I can't see another team hiring him as head coach. You know what I mean? Like, there's maybe like you, maybe he was. It wasn't fair that he was canned in Winnipeg. They went to the Grey Cup in 2011, and then the next year they kind of fell off. But he, like to get eight games after a Grey Cup appearance seems a little premature, no matter how bad they were. But if I recall, that team was like there was infighting. And that, that team in Winnipeg that went to the Great Cup 2011 wasn't that good. Like, the no. Ticats, that they beat the Ticats in the East final that year. The Ticats were 8-10 and 10 and weren't that good. And the Owls were, I think the Owls were like 9-9. Nine and nine. Maybe they were 10-8, and eight and they weren't that good. Like, it was yeah. a typical bad East division, if we're being honest. Yeah, but, Winnipeg's, I remember Winnipeg's offense not being good. No, year. and, and they, 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 it was they Swaggerville, right? That was the was year swag, of Swaggerville. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Jovan Johnson won defensive player of the year. Odell Willis was was great. And they rode that to a great cup appearance. And and that happens every now and then. You see teams that you think like, how the hell did they get to the great cup? And it, well, they things broke. I think they started that season like eight and one, but they finished like ten. Like things were starting to fall apart for them before they even got to the great cup. But I don't think there's any any way that he can be be a head coach once again. He'll he'll be an offensive coordinator somewhere if he chooses to be. I, I think a team will bring him in for sure. Cause I think his his schemes can work, but I do wonder if maybe Winnipeg's success without him is dampened that even a little bit. But let's move on to who you think might replace him. I mean, Kari Jones seems like the obvious candidate because he's he's really the only guy out there that has any sort of head coaching experience. You got to Sean Burke's there, so you got to look at some maybe some Hamilton connections. But who are some of the guys that you think could be could be in the mix, and, or who would you like to see as Ottawa's head coach? Would, would, someone new, someone old? What, what do you think? Well, I've just heard a, a, you know, a lot of people over the years who are in the know with uh, Canadian football coaches talk about Mark Killam. Yeah, uh, from Calgary. teams coordinator from Calgary. And, you know, like I said, I'm just going completely off what other people that know more than I do say about this guy. And maybe it's his turn. You know, we've seen guys like Mike O'Shea come from special teams coordinator and take over as head coach and have success. So um, usually that's not that doesn't really happen. You'll go and jump from special teams to head coach. But uh, if all these guys have good things to say about him, maybe he deserves a shot. And the obvious choice, like you said, uh, Kari Jones, I could see that as a, yeah, I could see that happening as well, because I think we all agree that he was let go. Um, you know, I don't think it was fair for him to get fired in Montreal the way that it happened. So I think he deserves another head coaching job somewhere. And maybe that's in Ottawa. Yeah, those are two guys that are at the top of my list of guys that I think. Noel Thorpe, another guy, defensive coordinator with, I think he's with Montreal right now, if I'm not mistaken. But he's had some good, he's one of those guys that you think might be able to do it. Jason Shivers, defensive coordinator in Saskatchewan, another guy. Buck Pierce, potentially. You got to look at the at the uh, 
What about Tommy Condell? That's what I, Tommy Condell, Mark Washington. I know that they're, they've clearly been running a favor here, but with the Sean Burke connection, you, you can't yeah. discount the fact that he might try to, I mean, maybe he makes Hamilton's decision easier by hiring one of those guys. And then the Ticats don't have to fire him. There is another guy. I don't think it's, he's going to be a head coach. I'm pretty certain this is his first year as an offensive coordinator, but the offensive coordinator, BC, uh, Jordan McSimmick, with what he did with Nathan Rourke and what he's continued to do with the offense without him, that's one of those, you know, you, you see in the NFL all the time where guys you don't think will be head coaches and they kind of come out of nowhere. Like Mike McDaniel, for instance, was the quote unquote offensive coordinator for the 49ers uh, for a couple of seasons. But Kyle Shanahan's really the offensive coordinator. McDaniel basically was the run game coordinator, but he's, he's, he got a shot to interview for the dolphins and he's their head coach. He's doing, he's doing pretty well there. So, I do wonder if maybe if Ottawa sees this as maybe a, a year or two rebuild versus a, you know, oh, if we if we get the right guy, we can turn this around tomorrow. I wonder if they might take a shot at a guy who's who's a little less experienced in in in, in like McSimmick because I I think that would be a I, I think the, the I don't think we're gonna see a, a lot of retread hires because I think there's gonna be a couple of vacancies this year, but I think we're gonna see more and more like new names come up because that old guard like I. You know, I've 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 seen some people say, oh, you know, Mark Trestman or you know guys like that. It's like ah, that's not going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, not even I don't even think Trestman want that job to be honest with you. I think, pardon me, I th- I I think that we're going to see Kahari's really the only the only ex head coach that I could see getting the job. Otherwise, I think they will go the coordinator and give someone a first time shot. What about Ken Austin? I mean. <laughs> Uh, you think you think his name's gonna come? Do you think he'll ever come back to the CFL? I I don't know. I mean, I he's doing know. pretty well at Liberty, is he not? Yeah, I think he is. I, I mean, he's probably pretty happy there. Yeah. I, that's it. That I mean, that's an outside the box kind of thought, right? Like he's been out he of was the like, league. He was like the number. Like yep. when we had him, and like we said on this show that as long as Ken Austin is here, uh, we're gonna have a competitive football team. I remember yeah. us saying that, and he was <laughs> oh, like. Yeah the you know the hot hire you know what i mean yep. like he was like the the hot coach in the cfl the, the coach that everybody wanted and then you know it just fell apart and completely out of the league now maybe never come back but yeah it's uh it's interesting well the rumors the rumor was 10 years ago the ticats fired belt marcel belfay because they had ken austin and then austin at the last minute backed out stayed at right. i think he was i think he was still at cornell at the time because I think his kid might have been going there, and he wanted I and so. something something along those lines. I I don't remember the specifics of it, but and that's why they ended up with, uh, what's his name, George Cortez. But then yeah. but then once Austin had said that he was, I mean that season went to tits. Twenty twelve, they go six and twelve. They missed the playoffs. The offense was great. The defense was trash. And then Austin, I guess, kind of lets it be known that he'd be interested in coming back as long as he had full control. They shit can Cortez. You're right. I can Austin was the hot name mm-hmm. amongst like because he had that one year in saskatchewan they win the gray cup and then he left he goes mm-hmm. down south to coach and i think he went to old miss and obviously cornell and now he's at liberty but he went down south to coach in, in in college football and it was always that like man he won the gray cup his, his only year as a head coach what else could he do and then he comes to hamilton 2013 boom gray cup appearance when they're dealing with the guelph stuff 2014 second gray cup appearance 2015 running rough shuttle for everyone until caleros gets hurt you know what i mean so that's an interesting name to bring up. I do wonder if, and he also has Sean Burke connections. So mm, it's true. 
That's huh. that's an interesting one. I, I like you kind of. That's not one I, I did not think of that one. Neither did I until like it just like came out of my mouth there. <laughs> but yeah, that would be, that would be that would be a very interesting hire because like we know he's not a bad coach. It just everything. You no, know, but I do wonder if he's got a shelf life. Is yep, he? That's uh, what I'm thinking. Yeah. Three three four years tops, then you got to move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because some coaches are like that, right? You just they just wear out their time and they, they move on somewhere. Else. Yep, Jim Harbaugh. They go somewhere else. They build up success and then the time runs out again. And then they go somewhere else. So and those, Nick Saban, those guys work in college because they keep churning over players. You don't have to worry about dealing with the same player and contract extensions and millions of dollars for decades. You know what I mean? Like you get you get a guy in there. He's there with you four or five years. Boom, he's out. Next guy's. You know what I mean? So. Those guys, their act doesn't wear thin because the guys don't stay around long enough. Whereas in the pros, mm-hmm. you have guys in your team for 10 years. They've heard the same song mm-hmm. and dance every yeah. time. Yeah. It, it I was doing old. this speech again kind of deal. Oh, exactly. this speech. Like, oh, oh I remember fucking... hearing this back when. Yeah, and it meant exactly. nothing that, Yeah, they tune them out. So that happens. But, huh. I kind of I like that. But uh, well, in any event, there's going to be someone. I'm hoping it's someone interesting that gets hired in Ottawa. Because as much as it's nice that they're on the down and outs because you know, we're not red blacks fans. It would be nice if they were at least somewhat competitive. Cause I mean, it's just, it's kind of boring beating up on someone. All, all, you know what I mean? Like I, I want more excitement. I, I'd love I to beat up on anybody. We haven't beat up on anybody. Oh, that's fair. But you know what I mean? Like, I just like more, <laughs> yeah. like I, in games that I'm not emotionally invested in, I want some, something to grasp onto. And it's really yes. hard to even pay attention to red blacks games, let alone sit down and watch them for three hours. No, it's like it's it's hard to pay attention to Argonauts games and they're like eight and six and they're supposed yeah. to be the best team in the East and they're just so inconsistent that you just don't know like two points against Calgary last week. Like, yeah, how could you be so terrible on offense? But I missed the game. Yeah, was, so, it a, was it a conceded safety or did they actually score the two? Points? I, I didn't. To be honest, you didn't with watch you, I, didn't, <laughs> I started watching the start of it and then I had something to do. So, yeah. All right, speaking of Calgary, the other big news that came out while we enjoyed some time off was the Stampeders signing quarterback Jake Mayer to a lucrative two-year contract extension that reports say will pay him north of $400,000 each year. The extension in itself, Mike, I don't think is that noteworthy. He's the starting quarterback for a team. He was due for a contract extension. And $400,000 plus is the kind of the going rate for a starting quarterback these days, even ones who don't have as much experience as Mayer does. But what this does mean is that your favorite player of all time, Bo Levi Mitchell, his days in Calgary are numbered. There is the slight possibility, as we recorded this on Tuesday, that Bo could be dealt ahead of the trade deadline, which is tomorrow on Wednesday. Uh, but whether the team trades him, the stamp set is, or keeps him because they need insurance for the playoffs, if Mitchell wants to keep playing, and all indications are that he does, he will be doing it outside of Calgary. So, Mike, the stamps are off the board. I think the, I think it's safe to say the Bombers are off the board, and I I will say the Lions. If Rourke, even if Rourke doesn't come back, I think they'll roll with Vernon Adams. I think they're off the board. That leaves six other teams that Bo could be playing for next year. So where do you think Bo Levi Mitchell will be playing a season from now? And before you ask that, you did say we both had him bench. I looked at our our preseason predictions. We both said that he would not make the season as the Calgary Stampede starting quarterback, so we both deserve a pat on the back there. I believe you, however, said he'd retire in the offseason. So do you think he's going to retire, or do you think he's playing somewhere else? No, I, I don't think he's going to retire anymore. Um, he's got to prove he's still, you know, he's still he, the best? Yeah, I think that he he's going to have a chip on his shoulder now because I didn't think he could ever envision a time where, you know, at the age he's at, to be replaced 
in at you know as the Calgary Stampeder. Like I think he thought that he would be, and rightfully so. I mean, he won them a couple Grey Cups. He's been really good. But yeah, I, th- I just think that uh, he's gonna he's gonna want to play, and I think he's gonna probably. If I had to guess, I'd probably say Toronto because they made a big push for him uh, a couple seasons ago. McLeod Bethel Thompson has been okay this year, but he's shown that he just he cannot be trusted. He cannot be trusted to be a starting quarterback. If I were them, I would try to get Bo. And we know for sure it's not going to be the Rough Riders because Rod Peterson said his sources told him that it's going to be the Rough Riders. <laughs> so that's that's a for sure no-go in Saskatchewan. They went after him pretty hard too, though, when, when he was a free agent in 2019. Uh, right. Toronto makes too much sense, does it not? I I I, I, I don't so. know if we maybe we talked about it or I talked about it with we talked about it off mic. I talked about it with someone, and maybe it was on a show. Someone listening, because I got to be honest, I don't know about you, but when we do these, I kind of we kind of talk and I kind of forget what we talk about. To be honest with mm-hmm. you, it's like we do them, we're done, we're on to the next one, sort of thing. But I know I've talked about it somewhere else that him going to Toronto makes sense because he could set himself up for his post foot because he's. If you watched him at all during the Grey Cup stuff last year, he's actually really good with the panel stuff. To be honest yeah, with you, he like was. he was, he was, I'll admit he was that. Yeah, really insightful, had charisma. It was, it was good stuff. It was good. To, it was, it was the best stuff we'd seen from the panel from anyone on the panel in forever. So, he, if he wants to do that, that that's a job waiting for him once he retires. Toronto makes sense. He could set himself up for life after football. That's where TSN is located and all that other sorts of stuff. I got to be honest with you though. And and I I am not reporting this whatsoever. I have no sources on this at all. I would not be surprised if we ended up here. I just think if the team is going to move on from Dane, and I don't know if they will. I with what we've seen the last couple of weeks, I wouldn't. But I think he could end up here. I don't think he will. I know there's a lot of people out there that are saying he's going to end up in Hamilton. I they have no idea what like it's fans that are saying this. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. I don't think he's going, but I could see it. I could see them. They got the Grey Cup here. They're going to go all in. If he's healthy, you know what you're getting. I, I could see it, but I-, I think I'm with you. I think, I think either Toronto and I think my dark horse team is is uh, is Ottawa. I think Ottawa could easily cut Jeremiah Mazzoli and go with Bo as their starter. And if, especially if Mark Killam goes to Ottawa as their head coach, why would he not bring the quarterback with him? Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Uh, you know. It's been well documented over the years on this podcast how little I think of Bo Levi Mitchell as a <laughs> not as a football player necessarily. I do think he's a bit overrated as a football as a quarterback in this league. He's done great things, don't get me wrong. It's more of his ego and the blaming. Of yeah, the you think players. he's a top? Yeah, I I do I do. That being said, if he came to Hamilton, I would cheer for him. That you know I'm not gonna you know not cheer for the Tide Cats because Bo's on the team. I would prefer that he's not on the team. I prefer. To stick with Dane, even though he had his his uh, his struggles this year, we all know. But I think that if you you got to stick with, I think you stick with Dane. I think he has too much talent, and then you go forward with more weapons next year and see what he can do. But it would not shock me if they brought in Bo because he's he's just a proven commodity. He's won championships. It's Hamilton. the Ticats way at quarterback. Yeah, it is. It's the Eastern point. Division way at quarterback, really. Yeah, like, that's, who, that, that's, that's very that's very true. Besides, you know, Calvio in Montreal. But um, even even he, he was in Vegas, and then he was in Hamilton. Like, yeah, yeah, they Hamilton. developed him into what he became, but mm-hmm. I mean. He didn't start there. He didn't start there. When's the last time, I guess, McLeod's the first quarterback the Argos have developed in, that stayed in Toronto in forever. Dane's yeah, actually forever. the first quarterback that Hamilton's developed. 
in forever. Mm-hmm. Ottawa has never developed a quarterback. You know what, like, this is a good thing, though, right? I mean, this is a good thing for the CFL when the veteran quarterbacks are, you know, they're no longer needed on a certain team because a younger guy steps up, but he mm-hmm. still could contribute and, you know, do very well on another team. So this this is a good thing for the CFL if a star quarterback like Bo leaves Calgary, which, you know, let's be honest, Calgary doesn't. Calgary's had a winning team for like 20 years almost. Quarterback and they matter. don't show up. They don't show up. They don't. They haven't showed up for years and years. Calgary's a bad CFL city. I don't care what anyone says. I've watched their games for years and years, and there's nobody there. There's like 15,000 people there most of the games, as far as I can tell. I'm sure there'll be some fans in Calgary that would tell me that I'm wrong and all that. But I just think when you have a team like that that's competitive and win championships, you should go and support them. And I know their stadium sucks, but they're a really good team. Like, you know, I don't know. But some people just want, like, everything. You know, the perfect stadium they want. The gifts from the the team for season tickets, they want all the... To me, if if I was in Hamilton and they were putting a competitive team on the field like that, and Iverwin Stadium was still there, a piece of junk that it was, that I loved, by the way, too, I would be showing up to watch that team, like, every single week. But it just doesn't seem to matter in Calgary. Sorry, that's a little rant, a little side rant. That is not where I thought you were going with that, because my point was going to be the quarterback in Calgary doesn't matter because they've been great, like you said, for two decades. And yeah, they've had most a lot of stability at quarterback because they've really only had two of them. But they went from Burris. They had a season of Kevin Glenn who got them to a great cup, I might add. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they go to Bo. Like Calgary has done. And if you go before that, they had Dave Dickinson and Garcia, Jeff Flutie. Garcia and Doug Flutie like. For the last 30 years, with the, maybe that, you know, they, where they, they had that exception where they were absolutely dreadful. They won a great cup with Marcus Crandall and then were just garbage for like three years. Aside from that, they've had the best quarterbacking situation in the CFL since I was 10 years old. And I just turned 40. They, like, they got Flutie in what, 92, 91? I think it was, no, it's in 92. Right. Was it 92 was first yeah, year? 92, yeah. Yeah. So when I the year I turned ten, they got Doug Flutie, and they've essentially had it made since, with that with that small hiccup in the early two thousands, where I think they finished like four and fourteen in like two thousand and three or two thousand and four or whatever. Other than that, they've been exceptional, and I think to to talk about your fan attendance point, all that success, not a ton of championships. And if you if you really consider how good they've been, they mm-hmm. they should have they should have won more. I'm with you. I th- still think if you're that competitive and you're a fan, you should be going to the games. But people get complacent. And it's like, yeah, okay, they're going to win 13 games this year, but they're going to choke in the first round of the playoffs. They're going to, tr- you know what I mean? Like people get yeah. complacent about that stuff. But I just think that Calgary's been so good. Like whether Jake Mayer's the next guy or not, I don't know. But I'm actually, it's, it's funny because you and I were at the 2018 Grey Cup together. And. That felt like that was going to be Bo's swan song, right? Like his contract was up. He was going to go to the NFL and never materialized. He ends up coming back to Calgary. I never would have envisioned this scenario. And I know his shoulder's been acting up and he's been hurt the last like three seasons essentially. But I never in a million years would have thought that we would get to the point where Bo Levi. And I know players move around all the time and, and guys leave. He just felt like Calgary. Did he not like, mm-hmm. yep. I, I don't think, I think it's going to look like if he continues to play, I think he's going to look weird in another uniform, no matter who it is. I agree. Especially in an, I don't know. I just picture him in an Argus uniform right now. It's just kind of very strange. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But yeah, I do think it's, if if he does go somewhere, like I I don't see Calgary trading them him to Saskatchewan like a division rival. I don't I don't know. Maybe maybe it does happen, but I I, I see him going east. Yeah, I I mean that it, it makes the most sense to me. The thing with the trade though is because I look at it this way: if they think he's cooked, which they must because they're going with Jake Mayer, they don't think Bo's any good anymore. Who cares where you trade him to? It's not gonna, you're not going to hurt you. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, I've never I like that. That's why I've never understood the whole like, oh, you can't trade him in your division because it's it, and he's going to come back to haunt you. But it's like if you don't think he's any good, or you think that you got the better guy anyway, who cares where he goes? Because you're just going to beat him anyway. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I don't like and them declaring him the backup now. It's not going to help their their haul that they get back for. Oh, they're not going to get. Like, they're going to get next to nothing for him because yeah, they're not going to yeah. keep him. Like I'm not sure if his contract's up. Hold on. <clears throat> Pardon me. I'm not sure if his contract. <clears throat> oh my god. <clears throat> I'm not sure if his contract's up at the end of this season. He signed a. Four, I think he signed a four-year extension in 2019. So 19. Oh, well, maybe his contract is actually up at the end. So maybe he's a free agent anyway. But regardless, they weren't going to get anything for him because you just signed. You can't keep both. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like this. This would have been like if Hamilton last year would have signed just before the end of the season would assign Mazzoli or, or Evans to a big extension. It's like, well, we know the other guy's gone now. You know, I mean, that's what we knew in January when Evans signed his extension in mm-hmm. January. We knew that that meant, okay, Mazzoli's not back. You can't have both signing for $400,000. So whether they trade him or not, you're not going to get anything back for him simply because any team that wants him, the only way you get something for him is if a team's like, we want to have him and we're going to give this up to get exclusive negotiating rights. But if you're fine bidding against other teams, why, why part with a draft pick for him? Not the draft picks actually matter. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's uh, that's all too it's true. A topic for another day. That is, that's an off-season topic for we 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 talk about draft picks being way too important than they actually are. Okay, mm-hmm. moving on to the last thing, and this is admittedly a bit of a rant on my part and kind of on the low end of the news spectrum. But have you did you see the list of all-star eligible players that the CFL released where they messed up players' names? Like, they spelled Derek Dennis's name wrong. They spelled Micah Always' name wrong. They have a player listed as uh, Stuart Silas when his name is Silas Stewart. They have players in the wrong jerseys. We ha- I think it was Winston, Winton McManus and Darnell Sankey tweeted out, like, can you get me, can you get us a picture in our new jersey? And then if that wasn't bad enough, Mike, like, I think like that's not a big deal, but it's ticky-tack stupid, right? Like, you can't get if you can't get this stuff right, uh, I start to worry a little bit. But then you go to the page where you actually vote on the All Stars, and the league for the first time ever had, <coughs> pardon me, coughing a lot here, had where fans could vote on the All Star team, right? And when I saw this, I was like, oh, that's cool. Like they've had this in the NFL forever. They NBA, NHL, they all have where you can vote on All Stars. Then I clicked on the link, and it's this half-assed piece of crap. And all you can do is vote for one player at each position, and I just don't get why the league thinks this is good enough. Like, why does the league keep putting out these, what feels like, remember when you were in elementary school and you had a project due and you didn't do it. And then the day before you're like, oh crap, I got to do this thing. And oh you yeah, there it. was this one project. I tell you what, there, uh, I think it was biology and uh, it was due after lunch and I didn't start it till, till lunch. And uh, you're supposed to like put like different insects on a, on a billboard and like name the, 
you know, the, the species and all that stuff. Well, I, I found like a house fly and I put it on the thing and named it a narc fly and like all this like <laughs> random crap that was, I got like 60%, which is a friggin' miracle. He probably felt <laughs> sorry for me. Anyways, go ahead. But that, that, if you, if you click on this link, that's what this looks like. This looks like a grade schooler who the night before remembered that he had a big book report to do and decided to watch the movie and write down what he, what he saw. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't I don't get why the league keeps doing this stuff. Like I know these aren't major issues. Like in the grand scheme of things, like who cares? I mean, getting players' names wrong to me is kind of just disrespectful, to be honest with you. Like if, if I started this calling is just you supposed to be your all stars or your, or your <laughs> just the two. Like but <laughs> but like even even so, like if I started calling you Mitch, like <laughs> it's not it's not a big deal, but it's like that's not my name. Like why are you yeah. calling me that? Like to to miss like Derek Dennis is not exactly an unknown come like yeah sure no. he's an offensive lineman but he's active on social media he's pretty popular like every to spell his name wrong and, and they and the weird thing is if you look at it, they spell Derek the weird way like he spells it D E R E K like that's whenever I hear Derek mm-hmm. that's how I think it in my head they spell yeah. it D E R R I C K like that's the bizarre way of spelling Derek and that's how the league thought he spelled his name you know what I mean like. Like I said, I know these things are small, but like when I see them getting the small thing, like the tiny things right, and like spelling players' names is like the tiniest of the tiny things that takes almost no effort, I start to wonder if this league can ever get the big things right. You know what I mean? And maybe I'm taking that too far afield, but like that's where my head goes when I see like you can't spell a guy's name right. You can't you can't even give me the option of selecting an entire like you know what I mean? Like one mm-hmm. player in each position? Like, I'm sure this all-star voting thing, like, this doesn't entirely fall in the league. This has got to be the brainchild of, like, Genius Sports collaboration. But, like, like I said, this is, this is like, a night before, oh, we, we forgot to put something together. Like, I know that, you know, they trumpeted the Genius Sports collaboration and making them part of the league, but does it not feel with stuff like this that they don't care? Like, they just they like the CFL their their collaboration and partnership with the CFL is an afterthought. You know what I mean? Because like yeah. you you could you imagine if any other pro league, any of the major pro leagues had something like this come out with their they'd be embarrassed. The NFL would never allow this. The NHL would never allow this. You know what I mean? Like yeah. at a bare minimum, fans should have been able to build an actual team, not this like best of bull crap. So I don't know, man. In my opinion, it's just like this is a massive failure on the league's part. It just it looks cheap. It looks it looks like the thing that everyone hates the CFL being called. It looks Bush League. It looks second rate. And that's what this came off to me as. And I just I felt the need to just share that with you and kind of get your opinion on it as well. Well, if you're gonna do something, do it right. Like if you're gonna put something out there into the world, get it right so you're not embarrassing yourself. Like it just one embarrassment after the other with this league, it seems. It's just like the thing at the start of the league or start of the season, let them, let them know like it's yeah. a hashtag that was already taken. Like just stupid shit like this, that they like we could get right. You know what I mean? Like who is running this stuff? And you're right about genius sports. It's, I see, you know, I think genius sports is, is a, is a good company that has credibility and is doing good things with other major pro sports leagues. But I don't think they're invested in the CFL. Like everything's half-assed with this league. Their their TV presentation, which isn't necessarily the CFL's fault, it's more of a TSN thing. But it's just bare bones. Like they can't even tell us how many timeouts each team has. They can't 
give us proper player introductions where the, the, the players went to school and, and, you know, where they might've played in the NFL or, or their little, whatever, little things, like, other sports leagues figured out a decade and a half to two decades ago. Yeah. It's like, come on, like try, just, just try, come on. And it, it's, it's embarrassing and it's sad as a, as a fan of the league who wants it to, to be better. And it's just, it's just not better. Like we don't, the CFL doesn't even have an app that you can download anymore. It's like we have a TikTok account that nobody watches. So it's just, they can't seem to do anything right. And the things that they did right, you know, the television raisings and stuff like that are dro- are dropping dramatically. Attendance is dropping. So they need, they need to smarten up and do some things right so they can turn it around a little bit and, and stick around for, for the next 30, 40 years. Did you watch The Office at all? Yeah, I've seen it. Okay. Do you remember the cold open where Kevin shows up with a big pot of chili? Yeah. Doesn't that feel like the CFL? They come in, they put all this work in. Oh, man, I <clears throat> spent the night, you know, slow simmering in, and I chopped up mm-hmm. all the garlic myself, and I got this great thing, and everyone's going to love it. And at the last minute, they spill it all on the rug. That's what I feel like the CFL does. Like, they have these – because the idea of a fan vote, uh, having a portion of the fan vote for the – like, I think fan votes are stupid, if I'm being perfectly yes, honest with you. I was going to say the same thing. But it's a good thing to have, right? It's it's a fine, it's, As long as it doesn't count for too much of the vote, right? perfectly fine. Because most fans are just going to pick the, their, the favorite players on their favorite team. Like, mm-hmm. very few people really, truly – whenever I've done this in the past, I've tried to be objective. But you always hew towards guys that play on your favorite team because you know them better. Oh, well, if you're, think, if you're debating between two people, you're going to go with the player on the team that you cheer for. However, that said – this is something that other leagues have done. The NFL has had fan votes on the Pro Bowl. So I'm I'm fine with it. That this but this is something that they have been doing for years. So you, you have this idea, you're getting fans involved, that's great, but you half ass it. And that's that seems to be unfortunately the CFL's sort of modus operandi is we have this thing we want to do, but we're only gonna do it on the barest of bones budget, and therefore it's gonna look cheap and not as good as it should. And that's what this feels yep. like. Feels like a knockoff yeah. of, 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 of a good idea. And uh, they could have went that route a couple of years ago with the video game. They could have, they mm-hmm. could have, um, I forget what the game was even called, but maximum football. Uh, there you go. Maximum football. They could have, you know, gave them the license, CFL players, and it would have been a disaster. I'm telling you right now, it would have been. Oh an yeah, embarrassment. yeah. People would have tore Having played apart. that game, it wasn't good enough. No. No, it was fine, you know, if you want to play a game that seemed like it was 1997 on the, you know, Nintendo 64, but I mean, then that, then, that, mo- then that would have uh, that would have appealed to the CFL crowd perfectly because <laughs> yeah. well, CFL fans still think it that it's 1998. You'd have to go back to the NA, uh, the NES, I think to uh, which I oh, technic I think they have a Techno Bowl like CFL game, but it's they, a mod they or do. whatever. They have like a uh well, what's it called? Like not a simulator. A, a mod? Like um a mod, that's the word I'm looking yeah. for, where I think you can play it on your computer. Well, that would be awesome. But, uh, but you know, in 2022, if they released a game like that with the CFL name on it, it would have been an embarrassment. So I'm glad they didn't go that way. But I, that being said, I don't think there'll ever be a CFL game. No. So that's another thing that um, the league will never have to promote itself because it's just too small and it's Canada, too small of a market. But, uh, but I'll say this about that video game. If the CFL would have partnered with them, and given them money, could you not mm. have upgraded? You know what? I, like, because this is the thing. It's like, and I understand the CFL is not rolling in dough, but you can't 
we can't keep hearing from the league office and from the commissioner, we want this league to be X and you do nothing. You That's going to cost money. If you want yep. the league to be bigger, that's going to cost money. You're going to have to play with the big boys and maybe lose a bunch of money to get yourself profitable later on. You know what I mean? Like you can't just keep doing the same thing over and over again and then doing new things, but doing them halfway and expect this to grow. It's not going to happen. Like maybe I'm the only one who thinks that this all-star vote thing is garbage, but I think it's garbage. And I like you can't you have to you have to be willing I I give the league credit for trying something new, but you have to go all the way with it. You can't yeah. – this isn't a dip-your-toe-in-the-water thing. You want the league to be bigger. You want the league to grow. you got to try something big. And, like, I don't want to hear people saying you got to market the league or you got to, like, stop with the old ways of doing things. they got to try something new. I don't know what that is, per- perfectly honest. So, I, I, But I'm also someone who's not in the demographic of – like, I got so many interests that the CFL being what it is is perfect for me. I – I got no problems with where, the, with where the league is at. If they can come up with a way where they're at least, uh, they don't have to be making billions, but they can find a way where they can, everyone can just not lose a ton of money. I'd be happy with that. But you're not going to do that by catering to people like me anyway. But at the same time, you can't just do things half-assed because if you're trying to attract new people, they're going to see that it looks less than. And less than is the word. You, you got to be different than you can't be less than. Yeah, and yeah, there's so many things to be fixed in the CFL, and I think one of them is the product on the field. And like people, I think I've said this before, but if there's a first bad impression, they're mm-hmm. not coming back. Like, yep. I've taken people to games, they're not coming back. Like, especially now, but the Edmonton's been terrible the last couple of years, so it's it's tough. But you take someone to a game and they don't have a good time, they're never coming back. Just like yep. if they go to a restaurant and the food's bad, they're never coming back. So. I think the main thing they have to do is is have good football on the field. Like that's huge for the CFL because they're not the NFL. They have to have a good product on the field. I'm not sure they've tried to do that. Not that they haven't. Like the off season, they've tried with the rule changes. And I think it has been better than it was last year, but it's still not great. So I think you still have to you have to keep working on the product on the field, making making it exciting, making it a product that people want to go see. You know, not because of the big stars on the team, but because you'll have a good time and it'll be, you know, a good night out on the town. All right. Speaking of the product on the field, Mike, let's talk about this upcoming game for the Ticats. You know that I have gone out of my way to not use the term must win when we discuss Ticats games this year, unless a loss literally eliminates them from the playoffs, which means they have to win. I am changing that tonight, however, because Friday's game against Saskatchewan Rough Riders is a must win if they want to make the playoffs Friday night is also big because it is Danny McManus night where he will be inducted into the Ticats wall of honor. And let's not forget that it is fan, the fan driven Simone Lawrence appreciation night. And he Mm -hmm. was a full participant at practice on Monday and again on Tuesday. So it looks as if he's going to be coming back, which makes it the perfect game for everyone to wear their Simone Lawrence gear, bring their Simone Lawrence signs and let Simone Lawrence know how much he means to this city's fans and to this franchise's fans. The Ticats have been bad all year. I don't think there's any question about that, but the riders have been especially bad recently. They are two and eight in their last 10, Mike, after starting the year four and one. Ticats are coming off a bye. That's why we didn't record last week. Well, the riders are coming in this game after getting their faces kicked in by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers 31 to 13 last weekend. I said I wouldn't use must win, but I used must win. I'm You've been using must win since about July, so you definitely agree that this is a must win. 
Can they win this game? And if they do, are you feeling that they can make a push to get to the playoffs, or are you ready to write the season off altogether? Because you uh, tweeted, I, you did tweet out that you you wish that they would contract the playoffs to four teams because yeah, this is a I sorry do. ass team, which I don't disagree yeah. with. Not necessarily sure I agree with you about the four teams, but that's a different discussion. Maybe we'll have in the mm-hmm. off season on on changes we could make to the league because that's a, I think that'd be an interesting discussion. But this is a sorry ass team. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Can they get the win? Will they get the win? And are the playoffs still in sight? The Rough Riders have been so terrible the last three, four, five weeks. I think they're going to win this game, the Ticats. Um, but no, I don't like. The, I'm not. I'm not going to be fooled again, okay, Josh? If they win this game, <laughs> like I'm not going to be fooled again, okay? I am not getting my hopes up. I think they'll probably win this game, then they'll lose the next game, and then it'll be like kaput. So, yeah, I, I do think that the Tiger Cats have the. You know, I think that they're a better team than the Rough Riders right now, which sounds silly. But they're the Rough Riders in such turmoil, like with their discipline issues and they're just bad play. Their offensive line is a complete mess. Cody Bajardo is not playing well, partly because of that offensive line. I don't I don't I, I like I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I don't see the Rough Riders winning a game the rest of the season because they have a pretty tough schedule. Um, unless, you know, Calgary, I think they play Calgary. I can't remember. They play, unless yeah, they, of, yeah, they play the Ticats this week, then they're on a bye, yep. then they go back-to-back against the Stamps. Yeah, unless the Stamps are out of it, maybe Saskatchewan gets one of those wins. But, uh, yeah, I think the Ticats get the win, um, and everyone gets all excited, and then they let them down the next week. Mike, if here's the thing, though. If you think the Riders, if, if you truly believe the Riders are going to lose the remaining games of the season, Hamilton's probably going to make the playoffs. Because the Riders will finish six as well. I wish they take them behind the woodshed and fu- just put them out of their misery already. I got so sick of this, like, they're hanging gonna be six, on. They're going to be 6-12 and 12 and making the playoffs. Yeah, good Lord. That's bad. That's bad. That's really bad. And you know what's, you know what's going to happen? They'll be 6-12 and 12 to make the playoffs. They'll beat the Owls in that first in that first playoff game. And then we'll convince ourselves that they're going to go into Toronto and win. Mm-hmm. And then they'll somehow do it. And they'll get to the Grey Cup at 6-12 and, and get the absolute doors beaten off them. Or Wouldn't it be so tie cats though that they get the first Grey Cup victory as a six nineteen ninety nine and they're a six and twelve football yeah, team? That would that, be so tie cats. It would be because then all I've, all we would hear is this is the worst team to ever win a championship, which would probably mm-hmm. be true. And mm-hmm. everyone would just be like, "Yeah, you won the Grey Cup, but your team sucked." And then we'd have yeah. to listen to all the people who because there's been a bunch of tie cat fans who have dealt with chirps from other teams being like, "You haven't won, you haven't won, you haven't won." And some of the retorts are, well, you won, but you were terrible. You know what I mean? Like, you don't see it a lot, but it's like Ottawa won, they had eight wins. Toronto won, has won twice, you were nine to nine. Like, big deal, big whoop. You weren't that good, you just got lucky. It would it would absolutely be on brand for this team to finish 6-12 and 12 and win the Grey Cup so that you would be happy they won, but at the same time, you're like, really? Like, this is what Kind of feel some to? shame at the same time. A little bit. A little <laughs> you bit. Because you'd be like... Uh, like, yeah, you're cheering and you're happy because they hoisted the cup. But at the end of the day, you're like, this team was shit. How yeah. did they do this? Like, it'd be more like shock, I think, than anything else. Than- I mean, I, I, I don't get me wrong. I'd ride the wave. Like, I would sure. like, like F you to everyone who says, you know, they didn't. And, you know, I would agree with those people, but I'd still be like buying the Grey Cup championship. Yeah. Dude, oh, yeah. I would not yeah, care. yeah. I find I'd get I'd get the replica ring I'd get the banner I'd get it all but at the end of the day you'd be like gosh darn is this the worst team to ever win because I'm working on a piece that I'm hoping we're going to publish Grey Cup week of the best teams to not win the Grey Cup and the worst teams to win the Grey Cup 
And I got to think in, in doing research for that. Yeah. This a, a six and 12 team, the closest yeah, we've ever the come, the closest we ever come to a team worse than that winning the championship was Ottawa in 80, might've been 81 or 82. It was during the uh-huh. it was 80, 81, 82. I can't remember what year it was. It was during the Edmonton's five, five straight run. They were a three and 13 team that got to the cup. And I think they were up like 23 to three on Edmonton and they ultimately lost. But like that's the closest we've come to a truly awful team. Because a three win team winning a championship is 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 atrocious. Oh. Not much not much worse than a six win team. But I mean, don't get, look, are you are you gonna tell me if we're sitting here at Eastern semifinal weekend and the Ty Cats are playing the Owls or playing the Argos, that we're not gonna talk ourselves into the fact that they're gonna go on a great cup run? We are. Let's like let's let's yeah. not lie to us. Let's be honest. Yeah, we are. Ourselves that this team's going to go on a run, and then they're going to lose forty to four in their first playoff game. We're going to go. Ah, we should have seen it coming. But we're going to convince this, ourselves they're going to go all the way. Like at this point, this this podcast is bipolar. I mean, it's just like we're <laughs> sad the one week and then ecstatic yeah. the next. So I can totally see it. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, this is if. Even if they got, if they win a playoff game, I would think this is one of the weirdest years we've ever covered. I mean, they got a good defense and their offensive line's pretty good. And if Evans, uh, you know, <laughs> Evans pulls <laughs> up his bootstraps. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Oh, boy. Well, anyway, Friday should be fun. Uh, just Danny McManus night, Simone Lawrence night. The Riders in town's always usually good for a good game. Nice to go back to the stadium after a week off. Uh, it's, uh, I mean, we're getting to Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's next weekend. And, the cats are hilariously still in the mix. Who knows, man? Who knows? I guess uh, we just have to wait and see. So Friday night, you're going to hear from us. We'll be doing, unless you can't, I, we haven't really discussed this, but I assume we're doing a live post game show on Friday. Yeah, I'm good to go. All right. So we'll be with you live after the tie cats game on Friday to hopefully discuss a win. <clears throat> Pardon me. And then we will, uh, we'll be talking about how uh, the playoff scenarios, because we'll be a game behind yeah. the writers and we'll talk ourselves into them. Make you will basically hear if they went on Friday, uh, a longer version of what you just heard us talk about now, where we will talk ourselves into how the cats can actually win the great cup because we are insane. But, uh, that is pods community for this week. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Eat them raw. Eat them raw. <laughs>